This is I Am Robert A. Brown Ministries. The following is a recent Sunday morning message given by Pastor Robert Brown. Hallelujah. We're going to be coming out of Revelations 1 and 4. Hallelujah. Amen. We have uh, gone here before with many things that I'm going to share today. Amen. But we're going to come from a little different perspective. Hallelujah. Glory to God. What's happening here, amen, is that the Apostle John is writing to the seven churches that we know of from the book of Revelation. Today, amen, we are going to look at what was specifically happening in this situation. Amen. Glory to God. This is the same John that wrote the Gospel of John, that wrote 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. He wrote the book of Revelation as well. He was the longest living apostle on the earth. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So here begins the reading of God's holy word. Amen. Revelations 1 and 4 reads, John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from, which, from him which is, which was, and which is to come, and from the seven spirits which are before his throne. This is merely a reference to Father God and the Holy Spirit. Next slide, please. Next verse, verse 5 says, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and first begotten of the dead, and prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his blood. How will we wash from our sins? In his blood. Hallelujah. Next slide. Next verse, please. Amen. And have made us kings and priests. Did you know you were a king and a priest in Christ? Unto God and his father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Saints, this was written during a time where there was turmoil going on in the church. Amen. And when has there not been a time when there was turmoil in the larger church? Amen. And saints, we are uh, challenged by many trends, many cultural phenomenon that is going on in our society. Amen. And God today wants us to be bolstered against the challenges that the, the culture, that the larger society, amen, is trying to impose upon the church. Hallelujah. Glory to God. This is very controversial today and maybe taboo to many, amen. But if we don't know where we stand, amen, hallelujah, these things are going to continue to infiltrate the church. What am I talking about? Same-sex marriage. What am I talking about? Calling things that are immoral, moral. A celebrity-based uh, role model system of society. A them-against-us type of mentality in society. A 24-hour news cycle. Things that if we are not, or, or us having a, although there's an importance to politics in that we have to be able to govern a society and even the ability for church to be able to operate, amen, with a, f a, freedom, of a freedom of religion, hallelujah. Our end solution to all of 
uh, the world's problems is not through politics. It has its place. It has its importance. We must be governed as people. We got to remember that our king is Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So these type of things were happening to the church and John was led by Jesus to talk to these churches and we're going to get into it today. Amen. Hallelujah. Next slide, please. Our title today is Jesus at the center. Jesus at the center. Jesus at the center. Won't you join me as I pray? Father God, we come before in the matchless name of Jesus. We thank you and praise you for gathering us here today, Lord God, both here in person and online. And Father God, we are the church in this modern 21st century. Lead us and guide us into all truth today. Have your way in us and through us. Help us to bravely uh, engage in this world without compromise in the name of Jesus. Deliver us from self-righteousness and cause us to operate in your righteousness. But Father God, this word you've given me today is far, far too great for me to deliver. You are the preacher. You are the teacher. Preach today. Teach today like never before. In Jesus' name, somebody say amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Next slide, please. These are the seven churches, amen, on the slide in front of you, or this map in front of you, amen. Pergamum, Thyatira, Smyrna, Sardis, Philadelphia, Ephesus, and Laodicea. And they were located in an area that we would know, uh, an area that was called at the time Asia Minor, amen, but we would know it as Turkey, the country of Turkey. Amen. And this is where the gospel thrived during the time of the first century church. Hallelujah. Paul visited all these, this, these areas and many of these churches. Hallelujah. Glory to God. But we have the apostle John speaking here. Hallelujah. Next slide, please. Hallelujah. And John is on the island of Patmos. He was um, exiled there. Amen. And on this slide, you can give, get a better understanding of the, uh, the geographical uh, connections between different places. Amen. We see the seven churches on the right where it says Asia and is a small dot on the screen where uh, John was exiled to on the island of Patmos. And in the lower right corner, we can see its uh, juxtaposition uh, to Jerusalem. All right. This is the, uh, the area of the Mediterranean during the first century A.D. Hallelujah. Glory to God, so that we have a better understanding of what was happening and where was it happening at. Hallelujah. Next slide, please. So it says, the question is, who is John addressing when he wrote to these seven churches? Who, who is John specifically talking to? Next slide. We're coming out of Revelations 2 and 1. This time I'm reading from the Amplified Classic Version and I... Hallelujah. Let's see who John was talking to. It says, to the angel. Is he speaking to an angel? Or the messenger of the assembly or the church in Ephesus. Right. These are the words of him who holds the seven stars, which are the messengers of the seven churches. And in his right hand, who goes about among the seven golden lampsticks, which are the seven churches. So who is he addressing? Is addressing the pastors of these seven churches. We've all been in those revivals where the visiting 
pastor comes in and says, to the angel of the house of Living Waters Christian Center, the person's really referring to the pastor. Amen? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Not that the pastor is any better than anybody else in the church. But this was a stylistic more than a theological term, a, a poetic term, a, a style of writing that John chose to use and was translated to English. Amen. So we don't want to take from this that I'm more special than you because I'm the pastor. It's just a term that was used to refer to the pastor. Amen. Because we could go too far. Oh, to the angel of the house of living waters. No, let's, let's, let's not take it there. Pastors go through the same things you go through. Sometimes we just act like we don't. We know better and no worse than any of you. God just called us for his own reasons. Amen. Hallelujah. Next slide, please. Point one. John is not writing to the little to literal angels, but to the pastors of these seven churches. The actions or inaction of these pastors greatly affected these churches. And thus Jesus had John address them in an attempt to put them on the right path. I will say this. My role as a pastor does greatly affect the church specifically the Living Waters Christian Center. To whom much is given, much in the case of leadership, the role that I have, too much is required. All right. So Jesus had John, through the angel, because I didn't get to that part, minister to these churches, write to these churches, amen, because it was important for the pastors to be right because if the pastors were on the right path, the church would be on the right path. If the pastors are off, the church will be affected negatively greatly. Amen? Amen. All right. That's why I tell you all, if you see me losing it, run. Don't stay and hang in there. Run. You can pray for me for the distance. Because too many churches have gone down the wrong road where we felt like we had to follow the pastor blindly, even in our hearts when we knew that the man or woman of God was not following biblical principles or following the spirit. So John was dealing with the leaders of these churches. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Next slide, please. We need to understand that no one can snatch us out of Jesus' hands, that our salvation is secure. For those of us who have truly given our hearts to the Lord, those of us who are not acting, those of us who don't have a secret agenda, those of us who are not operating in uh, deception, that are here faking and shaking, that our salvation cannot be lost. I'm reading this for a reason to set up something else. Amen. Next slide, please. So as John... John 28, so we're now in the Gospel of John. Same writer, different book. Gospel of John 10, 28. I'm reading from the Amplified Classic Version still. And this is Jesus speaking. He says, I give them eternal life. He's speaking about the sheep, his followers. And they shall never lose it. 
I want us to think about something. You've heard me say this before. If eternal life can be lost, was it really eternal life? Eternal life is everlasting life. How do you lose everlasting or life without end? How, how do you lose that? Let me read from the beginning again. This is Jesus. It says, I give them eternal life, and they shall never lose it or perish throughout the ages. To all eternity they shall never by any means be destroyed, and no one is able to snatch them out of my hand. That should make you feel secure. That should make you feel at ease. That no one can snatch you out of his hand. That he's given you eternal life. Mm -hmm. You can't even forfeit it. You can't lose it. Now there are some that have infiltrated the church that are not saved. I don't know who they are. I'm not talking about this church in particular. I'm talking about the larger church. People who have agendas. People who are about making money. People about meeting women. People who are about meeting men. People who have no heart for Christ. We're not talking about them here. We're talking about his sheep. He said, my sheep know my voice, and another they will not follow. Amen? So point number two, next slide, please. It is important to note that despite the challenging words written to five out of these churches, all who have truly accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior cannot lose their salvation, as stated here in John 10, 28. Are there people who are sincerely in love with Christ that leave the church? They've been hurt in the church. They, uh, they're upset. Yes. Do they still have eternal life? Yes. Are there people who are struggling in their walk, who are struggling with sin? Yes. But are there people who are deceivers, who are just in here to get what they want and care nothing for Christ? Yes as well. And those are not the people that Jesus is talking about here. He said the wheat and the tares shall grow together. Amen. My God. So this is not talking to pe people who are struggling. You need prayer. You need more teaching. And you need to be strengthened by the Lord Jesus Christ. Because as I've said over and over again, it's impossible to live the Christian life in your own strength. I need Jesus' help. I, I need him to do it. I don't even need his help. I need him to do it. Hallelujah. The Christian life lived at its highest is where we surrender and we allow the Holy Spirit to live the life of Christ through us. Where we say, not my will, but thy will be done. A lot of times we struggle with sin because we're, we have our hands at the wheel and not the Holy Ghost. That's just real. Hallelujah. We struggle. The Holy Spirit doesn't have any struggle. Hallelujah. Glory to God. It's allowing him to have his way. That's, that's, that total surrender, amen, is a process that we all have to go through over time where we totally just surrender to him, knowing that he has our best interest in mind. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, know this, that your struggle is your struggle. It's not the Holy Spirit struggling. It's your struggle. And we have to see where the areas are 
when we have our hands on the wheel, when I say on the wheel, I mean we're in control as opposed to where he's in control. He has no struggle. So where we struggle, and I'm saying we because I'm human like you are, it's because he's not in control. Hallelujah. Next slide, please. What did God have John write to these pastors concerning the, their leadership of these churches? All right, so we're going to look at the seven churches right now and see what John wrote to them. All right, here we go. Next slide, please. Revelations 2 and 4. Now, I'm reading out of the Amplified Classic Version again. Now, I have altered these scriptures a little bit to help us out. Amen. So this is not the pure scripture. Those things that are highlighted are what I put in. Amen. So just to help you understand. Amen. Those things that are not uh, in, in bold lettering. Amen. Are the actual scripture. Okay. All right. So Ephesus, which means first or desirable. All right. This is what John says. He says, but I have this one charge to make against you that you have left Abandon the love that you had at first. You have deserted me, your first love. Now, this is the message of Christ that, that John is writing to the church at Ephesus. So these are really Jesus' thoughts, Jesus' words, all right? Hallelujah. So what, did, what was Ephesus' struggle? They had forsaken their first love, Christ. All right. They didn't they didn't hold on to him, remember him and they did not repent. Now, repent. Amen. We need to understand as a New Testament term is a word called metanoia. And it means a change of mind. They had not changed their mind about getting back to their first love. Repent does not mean getting on your knees and crying in the front of the church. I can be sorry about something and cry and still not change my ways. <laughs> I'm sorry, I got caught. That's basically what happened. I got busted. Now please forgive me. I'm not changing my mind. I'm still going to go with that guy. I'm still going to go with that girl when I leave this church. Matter of fact, I'm going to call them as soon as I walk out the door. But I've not repented. How do I know that? Because I'm guilty. I've done that. I've done that. I've gotten on so many rededication lines in church over the years. So many lines where I'm going to do it over again until I got to the point where, Lord, I'm just tired of being on these lines. I'm tired of saying I'm going to do one thing, and then as soon as I leave out the door, I go right back to what I was doing. I had areas I had not submitted to God. Hallelujah. So here Jesus, through John, is telling them, get back to your first love. Something that replaced their love for Christ. And repent. Change your mind. Go back to your first love. My God. Next slide. We had a Revelations 2, 14 through 15. So this is John's words to that church. And now this is his words, uh, Christ's words through John's writing to Pergamum. Pergamum means height, power, or elevation by marriage. And John writes the words of Christ. He says, nevertheless, I have found a few things against you. You have some people there who are clinging to the teaching of Balaam. Oh, my God. Who taught Balak to set up a trap and a stumbling before the sons of Israel to entice them to eat food that had been sacrificed to idols and to practice lewdness or giving themselves up, giving themselves up to sexual vice. 
you also have some who in a similar way are clinging to the teachings of the Nicolaitans, those corruptors of people, which thing I hate. You've c- their sin here was the compromise and they refused to repent. What is the, what, what is the uh, teachings of Balaam? Balaam basically taught the Israelites in the book of Numbers that it was all right to have promiscuous sex with the Midianite women. Sex is something that God created when he created human beings. And it is good. But in the 19th chapter of Matthew, Jesus taught that it was, when he made them, he made them male and female. And that male and female would be one flesh. Inside the church has infiltrated a mindset that you could just love who you love. And we've put our own passions above God's ordered creation. On many jobs, we are trying to come up with terms where we no longer refer to people as he or she. They must be called they. There are some school districts that are introducing our children to families with two mommies and two daddies. We as the church have let down our guard and we've accepted this as this is just normal. And God forbid you say something against the LGBTQ community you're viewed as immoral. We've called immorality morality. Or you'll be canceled because now we have a cancel culture. Listen, we're called to love everybody. As Christians, we're called to love everybody. And there are people that have true struggles with their sexual identity. We are to have compassion and love towards them. But to embrace it as the norm and that we have the right to redefine marriage is immoral. I have people I work with that have same-sex relationships. I treat them well. I show them respect. Why? That's what we are to do as Christians. We're to love everybody. But it doesn't mean that we have to agree on every form of lifestyle that people choose. I know this is very controversial. I know this is even very dangerous from a world standpoint. The world can come and get me. But we got to take a stand somewhere. I'm not talking to people who str- If you're struggling, amen, we love you. Amen. Listen, it's not even all right, amen. You know, we, 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 even if we're not there, amen, we, we okay fornication. The church has okayed it. 
say, eh, you know, God forgiven us. We're under grace. Yes, we're under grace. But grace doesn't lead us to a licentious lifestyle. If we put our passions above God's standard, now we in our own strength can't meet God's standards. We need the Holy Ghost to help us to meet God's standards. Amen. But we've okayed and called moral something just because I love that person. It's okay. And these are the things that were seeping into the church at the time that John was writing them and things that we still struggle with today. Yes, we're under grace. Grace leads us to understanding how much God gave up to pay for our sins. Grace also leads us to say, Lord, I can't do this without you. I need your help. These are your standards. I can't do it. You do it through me. Hallelujah. Grace is not co-signing licentious behavior. And these are the things that Pergamum were dealing with. Amen. We live in some times where I might be told that you have to, if you want to be a pastor, you have to marry the same sex couple. We live in, we live in those times. We're going to take the church away from you if you don't do this. We've got to determine before such times happen whose report we're going to believe. Amen? These are, and these are tough subjects. These are tough subjects to deal with, but this is what Jesus led John to write to these churches about. Amen? Next slide, please. We're coming out of Revelations 2, 20 through 21. He's talking to Thyatira now. Thyatira means sweet savior, labor, sacrifice, contrition. And he writes, but I have this against you, that you tolerate the woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, claiming to be inspired. We've heard a lot about Jezebel. <laughs> and who is teaching and leading astray my servants and beguiling them? into? So this is the type of person who does not have a heart for God, may have a gifting that has been perverted and used to deceive people but is being allowed by the pastor and the church of Thyatira to, go, to, to, to minister these lies unchecked. Who is teaching and leading astray my servants, beguiling them into practicing sexual vice. There we go again. And eating food sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she has no desire to repent of her immorality, symbolic of idolatry, and refuses to do so. We live in a time, and I believe in the gifts of the Spirit. I operate in the gifts of the Spirit, but the gifts and the callings are without repentance or without a change of mind. In other words, I could be blessed and given the gifts, amen, of the Spirit, but not have the character to operate in them and use them properly. Could use it for my own gain. Oh, God. Listen, I'm guilty of this, so I'm not beating anybody up. Amen, hallelujah. But there was a time when I was not strong in the word that I over-relied on the gifts when I got up to minister. And when you don't know the word well, but you have the gifts in you, 
you could do some real damage and confuse a lot of people. My God. Got to have a balance. The word's more important, though. The word keeps us grounded. Uh, uh, the right interpretation of the word keeps us grounded when we operate in these spiritual gifts. But this person would not repent. You know, I'm into superhero movies and things like that. And all superheroes to me are reflective of Christ. In other words, it's the world's way to portray Christ. All right, someone who comes in and rescues the day with these incredible powers and stuff. But the thing about these superheroes is they don't have the character to wield this power. And in the same way, we have to be mindful as a church that we have the character of Christ operating us by way of the Holy Spirit before we operate in these gifts because we can leave people shipwrecked. Or we can think of ourselves as being more important than we really are. We, we, we're thinking ourselves better than other people. All right? So here, Jesus is trying to help this church. He's trying to warn them through John. Amen? So immorality and a false prophetess were operating in, in Thyatira. Next slide, please. Coming out of Revelation 3, 2 through 3, we're talking about Jesus at the center. I haven't gotten there yet, but Jesus at the center. Amen. What we could see right here, amen, is these first few churches, Jesus was not at the center, all right? So Sardis, Sardis means those escaping of that which remains. So John writes, rouse yourselves and keep awake and strengthen and invigorate what remains and is on the point of dying. For I have not found the thing that you have done, any work of yours, meeting the requirements of my God or perfect in his sight. So call to mind the lessons you received and heard. Continually lay them to heart and obey them and repent. We talked about repent being a change of mind. Amen. In case you will not rouse yourselves and keep, keep awake and watch, I will come upon you like a thief and you will not know or suspect at what hour I will come. So what was Sardis's issue? They were superficial. All right. So they had a superficial Christianity. They dressed the part. They looked the part. But what was in their hearts? And they had fallen asleep. They were asked to wake up and repent or change your mind. Put Christ at the center again. You know, some churches are fashion shows. That's what it is. Or present themselves to be something that they're really not. And here, Christ, through John, is warning Sardis to wake up. Next slide, please. Revelations 3, 15 through 16, Amplified Classic Version. Laodicea means judging the people or a just people. And what's said to them is, so because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot. Now, that was a big deal back then in the old world. They only served beverages that were hot or beverages that were cold lukewarm like we like room temperature water like I, got, I, get, I do is a more modern day thing they liked things that were hot or cold this is why john is using this type of language to them all right he says i will spew you out of my mouth 
I know your record of works and what you are doing. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were cold or hot. So what was their issue? They were lukewarm in their faith. He wanted them to be earnest and repent or change their mind. Now we talked about job 28. About that we're once saved, always saved basically. So what does Jesus mean by I will spew you out of my mouth? Is there a contradiction here? Both the same writer. John wrote the Gospel of John 10.28. He also wrote this scripture. Next slide, please. What is meant by Christ when he said, I will spill you out of my mouth, through the writings of John, to the church at Laodicea? Does this mean we can lose our salvation? Here's the commentary of John Gill. John writes, this shows how nauseous lukewarmness is to Christ, insomuch that on account of it, he would not own and acknowledge her as his, talking about the church at Laodicea, but even cast her out, unchurch her, and have no more any such imperfect church state upon the earth. As he afterwards never will, this is, never will, this is the last Never will. This is the last. Nor is there any church state or any remains of Laodicea. So there is no more church of Laodicea on the earth. There are no remnants of it left on the earth. It is indeed quite uninhabited. Another point he makes in the worldly goods and, and, and which occasion her lukewarmness as riches often do in her vanity, pride, her, and arrogance afterwards expressed. Laodicea was a very rich city. So they got caught up. They had material wealth and became lukewarm towards God. They also got caught up in works without a God focus, without a Christ focus. What conclusion can we make here? The church at Laodicea was put out of existence because they made their material wealth and their law keeping a priori priority over making Christ the center of all they did. Any truly saved person would remain saved, i.e. like Lot was taken out of Sodom and Gomorrah. However, there is no longer any present day church at Laodicea. What is happening here? Amen. This church never came to a place where it repented and the particular church no longer exists today. If there were truly saved people in the church, yes, they would remain saved. They would go on to heaven and be with the Lord. But God was protecting his church, his larger church, and was not going to allow a church that was faking and shaking to continue to exist. Not talking about people losing their salvation. I'm talking about an organization no longer existing because it did not represent Christ. Here's a hard statement. Some churches don't need to exist. I'm not telling you people need to be sent to hell and all. I'm not, not talking about that. Hallelujah. I'm talking about an organization that does not represent Christ, that represents other agendas, that are misleading people, does not need to exist. That's not a part of the body of Christ. Christ was protecting his larger church. Amen? My God. It's, it's real. 
What does this have to do with grace? God was gracing his larger church not to be infiltrated by a movement of a church that really didn't have Christ's uh, agenda at heart. Amen? Amen? All right. Next slide, please. Let's look at the two pastors that were praised with ad, uh, without admonishment or correction, sharp reprimand, along with their churches, all right? So we established that the angels of the churches were the pastors, that John was writing to these, chapter, these churches, these pastors in particular, because they lead the churches, all right? And we found that these churches did not have Jesus at their center, yet Jesus was using John to try to correct them before it became too late. We're not talking about people losing their salvation. Someone who's faking didn't have salvation in the first place. Someone who was deceived, amen, it was, was saved and always will be saved. And hopefully placed in a church where Jesus was truly at the center, all right? All right, let's look at Smyrna. Next slide, please. Revelation 2 and 9. Smyrna means myrrh or sweet fragrance. John writes, I know your affliction and distress and pressing trouble and your poverty, but you are rich. And how you have abused and reviled and slandered by those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. So what happened with Smyrna? Amen. They suffered persecution and poverty, but they didn't fear and remain faithful. Say standing for Christ means that you may go, not may, you will go through stuff. And I know the blessings of God. I, I know how God wants to do things in our lives. But let me tell you something about my own life. Really, what you see is an illusion. There are struggles that have been a part of my walk with Christ from the beginning. When I say struggles, I don't mean sin struggles. I mean difficulties in life that I have been through in my walk with Christ from the beginning? Am I still looking for Christ to bless me in those areas and to uh, be done with this stuff? You know, let, let me just keep it real, amen. I, I've never really made a lot of money. Does Christ know there's something in me? Maybe if I had it, that I would, I would turn like the Laodiceans. I, I, I don't know what's in me. He knows better what's in me than I know. I don't know. But there's some things that Christ has deemed to not want to be in my life at this point, at least, for his purposes and his reasons. Sometimes when we don't get what we want, well, maybe I don't need to be a Christian anymore. These people at Smyrna, this church at Smyrna, has such a love for Christ, they're willing to suffer for him. This is a question we have to ask ourselves. If everything doesn't go your way, are you going to kick Christ to the curb? Or are you going to keep going forward with him? Unfortunately, there are churches when we don't get exactly what we want when we want it. We do it our way. But they were being honored because they honored Christ even through their suffering. 
Amen. Paul asked the Lord to heal him three times until God finally said, my grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Now, we could speculate Paul had great revelations. Did, did, did God allow him to continue to have the thorn in the side to keep Paul humble? I, I don't know. That's between God and Paul. All right? Hallelujah. But I could tell you from my own standpoint, there are things that I have suffered through and continue to, but I'm sticking with Christ. Did I have my moments when I got frustrated and I got upset? Yeah, of course. I've had many of those. But just because I didn't get my way, in everything, I continue to follow Christ. Amen. Let me really be real with you. I have to, pro- over the eight years we've been open, amen, probably close to a million dollars has passed through my hands. If my weakness was money, I would not be the one to trust with all the offerings. This is real. It's something we don't want to think about. It, 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 this is God has to know. And I got called out one time. I went to some place and they ministered and said, because you've been trustworthy with the church's money, God's going to do this, that, and the third for you. But you've got to know that God is with you and that he's working it out through you. Amen? These people are suffering. Now, I've, I've had personal f- challenges in my life, but that's not my money. Everybody doesn't have that mentality. Well, I just buy a little bit and then put it back later. Nobody will know. It's his money. It's not mine. I'm not going to justify my struggle to stealing. Well, y'all owe me anyway. I'm underpaid as pastor. So it's like it's my money anyway. No, no, no. These people could suffer. Amen. For Christ. Hallelujah. Part of our walk, there'll be some area in your life that you don't get exactly what you want when you want it. And we got to remain faithful to Christ. Amen. Next slide, please. Philadelphia. We all know what that means. Brotherly love. Amen. What's being written to them? Amen. Because you have guarded and kept my word of patient endurance, have held fast the lessons of my patience and with expected endurance that I give you, I also will give you sa- keep you safe from the hour of trial, testing, hallelujah, which is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell upon the earth. And we know from the moving forward with Revelation, amen, hallelujah, that what that time is amen hallelujah for their time amen the church would have uh uh, they would church would go through great persecution under the roman empire you know there were christians that were being skinned and this their their skin was being hung up as lanterns around the roman empire there were people dying for their faith being thrown into arenas with lions and things like that this is real you say, where was Jesus? Why didn't Jesus save them? I don't have that answer. But I do know that when the people witnessed the people being martyred, that Christianity spread like wildfire. Like it must be real if they're willing to die for it. My God. Hallelujah. Next slide, please. 
As a church, where should our focus be? It's the Living Waters Christian Center. As churches across the world that are watching and people in churches across the world, where should our focus be? All right, next slide, please. Revelations 1 and 13. We're going back to uh, the first chapter. And John writes the words of Jesus. It says, in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. All right. Next slide, please. Let's look at point number three. Notice the presence of Christ in the midst of the candlesticks. Let's find out next what the candlesticks represent. Next slide, please. Who are the seven candlesticks that Christ is in the midst of? Revelations 1 and 20. The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand, this is Christ speaking and John writing, and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. So the seven stars are the pastors of these seven churches. And the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. So Jesus being in the midst of the seven candlesticks, Meaning he's in the midst, he's in the middle, he's in the center of the church. So what should our focus be as a body of believers? Should it be on political things? No. Should it be on uh, who's in office or, or, or who's doing what in Hollywood? Our focus should be on Christ and his teachings that he left for us. Should it be on the pastor? Should the church be centered on the pastor? Pastors were put out and corrected by Christ through John's writings. A focus should be on Christ. As long as you will have me as pastor, my endeavor, my mission is to keep Christ at the center of the church and all my teachings. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Why seven? Why seven? Seven spirits uh, around the throne of God. Seven churches. Seven is God's number of completion. Seven churches speaks of the universal church. In other words, that this, these seven churches represented all churches. That we could all, as different churches, learn from the lessons, the reprimand, the encouragement that Christ gave them through John's writings. That if there are things that we struggle with or things we go through or things we experience or things we're doing well, amen, we can learn from the example of these seven churches. And I can be honest with you, I have been in the church and experienced all these things that have happened in all seven churches over my time of salvation. Hallelujah. Where everybody's shouting around me and I'm sitting there like, something's off. <laughs> people are dancing, people are throwing up. People are saying they're free, they got delivered. I was like, God, where are you? Music's playing, music's blazing. 
the emotions of being aroused. And sin was in the house. I had my own struggles. I was mad at God. Why won't you bless me financially? Why are all my bills behind? Why, you know, why this? Why that? And as I came to an end of my religious self, as you've heard me say many times, amen, Christ once again became the focus. Amen? He's the focus. My decisions. When I allow him to have his way, how I treat my wife, my children, my parents, all of you are Christ-focused. Amen? There are a lot of trends in the world. There are a lot of <sighs> things going on, a lot of controversies, a lot of things that the world wants to tell us are moral but are immoral. There are a lot of issues. There are a lot of political things. There are a lot of, you know, th- th- through the midst of the pandemic, why I could stay calm because my focus was on Christ. Wasn't focused on what somebody's doing in the White House. Wasn't focused on this protest, that protest, this, this, this organization, that organization. It was on Christ. I was aware of all those things. I'm not ignorant. But my focus was on Christ, amen, and he wants us as a church here at Living Waters Christian Center and every church to have our focus on Christ. I knew that he was, despite what was going on in the world, he was going to come back and get us at some point. Hallelujah. Glory to God. If he delays his coming, we'll have a long life, amen, here on earth. Hallelujah. And be blessed, amen. But if he chooses to come back, hallelujah, any day, and he can come back any day, hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I knew he has us at either way. Amen? amen. Glory to God. Let me end this amen with the next slide. Conclusion. The mystery of the seven churches in the second and third chapters of the book of Revelation is that Jesus was using John to admonish or correct or reprimand the pastors of the five churches out of the seven churches, as well as encourage the two remaining pastors to continue their good work as leaders despite the adversity they and their churches face. These churches give our modern church examples of what to do and not to do as the body of Christ. Overall, Christ is merely protecting the sanctity of his church from people and forces that would take the body in the wrong direction. Let us keep Christ at the center of all we do as a church, no matter the cost. When Christ is at the center or the focus of the church, focus of, of all the church does, the church is then operating in his perfect will and has available to it all his blessings, support, and protection. Amen. Jesus at the center. Somebody say amen. 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 We, got, we got challenges ahead of us, y'all. We have challenges. We have things that are happening in the world, but we got to maintain Jesus as our focus. Amen. Does it mean that we can't love people in our family that have made different choices? Love doesn't mean approval. Love is not an emotion. Love is a choice. Yes, we could love people who are struggling or have different thoughts or opinions in us. Amen. But we don't have to co-sign with those thoughts and opinions. Amen. 
I know when I was bugging out as a teenager, my mother didn't stop loving me, but she didn't approve of the choices I was making. All right, I chose to drink and to get high and chase after girls and all that. She didn't agree with that. She didn't stop loving me, but I didn't have her approval. When I'm calling from the city and with my friends at 16 years old at 1 o'clock in the morning, telling them where I'm at, she didn't approve of that. Michael Cooper didn't approve of that. But I still had their love. All right? So love does not equal approval. We can love people. Otherwise, how can we love our enemies? They're our enemies for a reason. But God said, Jesus said, love them. All right? Love doesn't mean approval. It means that's, that's what Christians do. We're to love. Amen? Amen. Not enable. We don't want to be enablers, but we're to love. Amen. Listen, you were impacted by that message today, that tough message. Had to deal with some tough issues. Maybe you're even mad at me because I touched on something that's very near and dear to you. Let me share this with you. These are not my opinions. These are Christ's principles. And I struggled with many of these same things and was mad at God or whoever delivered the word as well. But I want to tell you that when I decided to say not my will but his will be done, my life smoothed out and things got better. It doesn't mean everything's perfect. I told you I've had struggles in my life. Hallelujah. But Christ is worth it. Christ is worth it. So you're confused, you're angry. There's all kind of issues going on in the world. You want to be right all the time about your point of view. You're frustrated. You're trying to convince people. Listen, our joy is in the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you would like to make a choice for Jesus, Jesus is the only way to Father God. Jesus is the way to heaven. He's the way to truth and the life. That's you, ma'am or sir, young ma'am, young sir. Please say these words with me. And join the family of God where you will have eternal life. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Please forgive me of all sins, transgressions, and iniquities. I believe that you died for my sins. I believe that you rose on the third day, which evidenced that your death was full payment for my sins to Father God. Thank you for saving me in Jesus' name. Now, if you're in agreement with that prayer, now say amen, or so be it. If you said that prayer, you said it sincerely from your heart. You are now saved. You have eternal life. Amen. You have an opportunity to all the blessings and love and protection from Father God. Hallelujah. Through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And you will live forever with Christ. Hallelujah. And you have an advocate that whenever you have challenges in life that you can lean on, to help you get through. Amen. Glory to God. Welcome to the family of God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Listen, real quick, take me to the offering slide. No, no, let's do the let's do communion first. Amen. Let's do communion. I apologize. Put me on a a uh where I could be seen on the camera. Hallelujah. Full frame. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. We want to partake of the communion today and uh, and um, Jesus instructed us to do it. 
Amen. It, it represents his, his body and his blood that was given for us at the cross. Amen. His, he told us in, uh, he told the people in John 6 uh, to eat my flesh and to drink my blood. Amen. In other words, partake, receive the benefits of my crucifixion. Amen. Embrace it. Become a follower of me. Amen. So we are going to partake of the bread and the wine, which represents the, the body of Jesus Christ, and the blood or the life poured out of Jesus Christ. Amen. Mm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, please. Almost had to eat one that fell on the floor on the camera. Oh my God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's take the bread. Amen. Hallelujah. It says, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of thee. Let's partake of the bread, which represents the uh, broken body of Jesus Christ. Let's remember his death as we partake of it. Amen. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's partake of the wine which represents the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. We thank you, we thank you, we thank you. And just partake of our healing. Amen. He defeated sin. Sin is the source of sickness and disease. Amen. At the cross. Amen. As we partake of this, we defeat sin, sickness and disease in our own bodies. In Jesus name. Now take me to the offering slide real quick. Amen. We need your help to continue to spread the gospel. Amen. Hallelujah. If you like the gospel from the Living Waters Christian Center's uh, our YouTube channel to continue, if you like the gospel to continue here at our church with our in-person service, we need your help. Amen. Hallelujah. On this earthly realm, we need finances. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So please make an investment in our church. Let the Lord lead you how much to invest, whether it be your tithe, your offerings, Whatever it is, amen. Now, if you have your own church, amen, tithe at your church, amen. Give a tenth of what you have at your church, amen. But if you are without a church or you're part of our church, amen, please support us, amen. Invest in it, hallelujah, so that the gospel may continue, amen. Glory to God, hallelujah, glory to God. It's not up for me to tell you how much to give. That's between you and God, amen, hallelujah. So, we, but we really need your donations. You can give a gift, amen, a donation, or make an investment in three ways. The first way is you can give online at lwccgrace.org forward slash donations. You can make a financial tax-deductible donation there at on our website, lwccgrace.org forward slash donations. Another way you can do it, you can mail in your donation to Living Waters Christian Center, P.O. Box, 115 Amityville, New York, 11701. Once again, you can mail your donation to Living Waters Christian Center, P.O. Box 115, Amityville, New York, 11701. And lastly, you can come and join us in person. Amen. We are sitting six feet apart, except for people that live in the same household. 
We are taking temperatures. We are giving sanitizer. We have an overflow room with a TV in it. Amen. You can join us in person, amen, for our services and give in person and partake of a worship service that starts before our online service. Hallelujah. went so well today. We, we spilled over into, hallelujah, our online service a little bit. Amen. But we would love to see you and love you in person. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let me pray over these offerings. Father God, we thank you and praise you for the seed we sow. We sow for the upkeep and expansion of your kingdom. We sow because we love you, Lord God. No matter what we go through in our own lives, we love you and we give that the gospel might be promoted, supported here at the Living Waters Christian Center. We thank you today. Let us reap some 30-fold, some 60-fold, some 100-fold return on that which we plant into this good soil here at the Living Waters Christian Center. We thank you today. We praise you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. So thank you, thank you, thank you for giving. Thank you for joining us today. Hope the word, amen, although it was a hard word, amen, that you could take time and, and receive it and pray about it, amen. Talk to God about it and seek the scriptures for it, amen, and let God have his way in your life. So we'll be back at 1130 next week. God bless you. God loves you. Amen. And have a wonderful rest of your Sunday. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us at I Am Robert A. Brown Ministries. We hope the message blessed you and unveiled the love of Christ to you in a greater way. God bless.